The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. We're going to have a great show today. We got Michelle Merriweather is going to be with us. Michelle Merriweather, she is the CEO and president of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. She is uh, one of the just best, best women I know, just an absolute gem and uh, doing great work. She was actually just um, honored and acknowledged of being one of the 25 most influential people in Seattle. So that's a uh, that's something. That's something. She's uh, one of the most 25 influential people in Seattle. And they've been doing amazing work in the community. And you're going to just love having Michelle on. She's just salt of the earth. She's salt of the earth. Hey, I am so thrilled to have Michelle Merriweather with us today. She's the CEO and president of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle, recently named one of the 25 most influential people in Seattle. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hey, Tim. How are you doing? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is so fun, Michelle. Thanks for taking the time. I mean, it's uh, I'm just so excited to have our listeners here hear from you and hear your story and all the great stuff you're doing. So thanks for coming on. Uh, it's an honor. It's an honor. So Michelle, I just read a little bit of your, a uh, little bit of what you're up to. Um, you know, you've been urban league, been focused on economic empowerment, reducing homelessness in underserved communities. You're the co-founder of the black future co-op fund, a Seattle foundation, nonprofit organization formed in response to the death of George Floyd uh, you are on the board of the Downtown Seattle Association, the Alliance for Education, Washington State Women's Commission. Uh, man, I'm glad you just take a couple minutes to hang with us today. <laughs> this is a this is a welcome break from all of that. <laughs> hey, let's just start off. Give our listeners just kind of a a high level view of 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 the Urban League and you know how you know when it was started. I know you know it's a it's a national. Um, organization that's been doing amazing work for a long time but i'd love to maybe give a just a, a sketch history of the urban league and then here in seattle in particular kind of what you guys are up to for sure for sure thank you um the urban league uh, was launched in 1910 um nationally in new york city um as a kind of a result of uh, african americans which was um, large, the, the vast majority of the minority um, back then, as they um, began the migration, the great migration from the rural south uh, to the north and later the the west and Pacific Northwest, and of course the uh, you know central United States as well. Um, but it was created to help kind of bridge the gap between. The, the skills and, and place where um, the black community was as they were migrating and um, offer or stand in, in that need of um, 
offering training and development and connecting um, community, right? Because many of them were moving up there to, to provide better um, outcomes and better pathways and better futures for their family. They were the first in their family to leave home or moving with their family, so they, you know, needed um, connection. So the Urban League provided that training, provided that connection, provided pathways to housing and, and things like that. So that started in 1910. Wow. And, and fast forward to, you know, the Civil Rights Movement, um, when the National Urban League was led by um, Whitney Young, uh, kind of catapulted the Urban League into the Civil Rights Movement as well and increased um, our work out of the call to action, right? So then we started being involved in voter disenfranchisement and um, and redlining and other things that were challenging the economic mobility of the Black community. And so in um, 1930, before, of course, the Civil Rights Movement, the Urban League was born in Seattle. Um, and if you look at a map of, of the railroad, where did the railroad end? Seattle. So black folks were getting, many of the folks that migrated here to Seattle were um, Pullman porters and, you know, just seeking better lives for their families. So they were Pullman porters making this journey up to Seattle for work, realized how great of a place this was and brought their families up here. Um, and, you know, for other reasons as well, you know, during wartime, Boeing was up here looking for more folks to um, uh, fill in while um, folks were, while men were going off to war. Um, and so, you know, Boeing being here, United, uh, United Parcel Service, EPS, uh, and a few others being headquartered here, uh, it was a great place for opportunity because those organizations were some of the first uh, to open their doors to hiring black men and black folks in particular. So this was a, you know, a place for economic mobility for um, black folks. So the Urban League was born here. Wow, almost a, so, almost 100 years old, Michelle. Yep, yep, 90. Yeah, so we've been doing that work, helping um, connect individuals to opportunity, housing, workforce development uh, for 90 years, uh, and, uh, and still carrying that banner and that legacy. That is absolutely tremendous, powerful. What's it like to oversee an organization that has <laughs> such historical roots and you know yeah. such profound impact that's got to be humbling to lead uh, such a uh, you know amazing organization like that to say the least you know humbling is is yeah it's it's definitely that i think uh it also um pushes not only me but our team to make sure that we're doing things that are rooted um in uh and uplifting the work that came, the great work of those that came before us, uh, our ancestors and those that paved the way, right? Um, I think of uh, Edwin Pratt, who led the organization, the Seattle Urban League, um, during the civil rights era, and that, you know, led the effort not only in the work that he was doing every day, but took his family and purchased a home, one of the first black families to purchase a home in Shoreline, 
to to prove to community and everybody that I can live anywhere I want to, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not redlined to just the central district where um, black folks on, were only able to to buy homes then. So, you know, I certainly carry that with me, but we also have 70, over 70 amazing people that work for the organization doing great work that carry that legacy with them as well. Uh, So, yeah, it is definitely humbling to say the least. You know, speaking of redlining, you know, we we got a chance to talk about the, um, you know, with Urban Games and and the the girl trek uh tour mm-hmm. that happens and yeah. that was just a a really powerful conversation to let our listeners g- give g- get more of an inside view of some of the history of the central district and i mean just mm-hmm. re- you know really profound you know to to know history and how we can you know grow and move forward um as a community for sure for sure and in the central district there's um prep parks and other things named after Evelyn Pratt. And many people don't even know who he is or what, you know, what he did, but he led the urban league and was a civil rights leader right here in Seattle and was a nationally recognized civil rights leader right here in Seattle. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of history here that, you know, we all just need to dive in and, and learn more. Right. Yeah. For sure. Well, speaking of history, you know, happy Jackie Robinson Day to you. Um, and the Mariners happened to win a double header for Jackie Robinson Day. And, you know, the Mariners, we have the most, you know, African-American players on any Major League Baseball team. And we, you know, won a double header here on Jackie Robinson Day. That That's kind of beautiful, huh? That is beautiful. That is beautiful. And, I, you know, I've been head down in work all day. And did not know that. So that is very good news and glad to hear it. Um, I, I certainly acknowledge Jackie Robinson Day, you know, uh, every year um, having uh, coming from a baseball family. Uh, so it's glad to glad to hear it. Go Mariners. Yeah, go Mariners. But, you, you know, you're an L.A. girl, Michelle. I mean, you're, yeah. you know, down in, uh, you know, Jackie, he had some roots down there, right? And, um what you know? What's yeah. it? What was it like to come from L.A. up to Seattle? I mean, what, 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 what's that? That's a little bit of a transition. My wife's from L.A. came up to Seattle, so I know the uh, the pros and cons a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, you know, the fact that I get moved up here to do this work um, uh, is certainly you know heartwarming. I did not. Uh, have any challenges that people welcomed me, made sure that I was well connected and, and had um, connection to community. I certainly have uh, the Urban League to thank for that, as well as my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta sorority, uh, to make sure that I was, had, had, was able to call Seattle home. Um, I think that the biggest challenge is all of us transplants was uh, probably the weather during the winter. I, I love the rain. I will say the rain is calming, <laughs> comforting, and soothing. I, however, am challenged by the cold and the darkness. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad it's shining now. But that was probably the hardest part. But Seattle is definitely home. Um, LA is, you know, certainly where I grew up, and I, I, I love, love, love LA, and love to go visit and, and be with my family. But 
this Seattle has a special place in my heart. But, you know, oddly enough, I, I don't even know if you know this, but I worked for Starbucks in Los Angeles and came here for work quite often. And I thought that, you know, Seattle would eventually be my home um, because, you know, Starbucks was headquartered here. But uh, my my passion, my volunteerism work ended up being my permanent work and brought me to Seattle anyway. So wow. I think it was that. <laughs> That is that is serendipitous right there, right? That's uh, that's real. I didn't know that, Michelle. What? Yeah. That, that's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You were destined to be here in Seattle, and we're so glad you are. I mean, the work you're doing is absolutely tremendous and inspirational, and so glad that you are here. talking to Michelle Merriweather today. She's the CEO and president of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle and just doing incredible work in the community. Um, so many different levels. I mean, Michelle, give us um, give us a quick insight into maybe like this, like what what were you working on this week with the Urban League? What, like give, give our listeners kind of an insider view of some of the things you're currently working on. Absolutely. I will say that the biggest thing that we're working on right now uh, is rental assistance. Um, as we know, um, 2020 was devastating and and thankfully our um, state issued a, a rental moratorium, an eviction moratorium. Um, however, um, you know, eventually people will have to pay rent again. And so we're, we, uh, along with the support of United Way and, and King County and others, have been able to provide some direct assistance in helping those that have not been able to pay their rent catch up so that, you know, God forbid, when the moratorium is lifted, folks will be evicted for not paying their rent. So we've been doing a lot, a lot of that. I will also say um, another really cool thing that we're working on um, in supporting um, Black-owned businesses and businesses owned by people of color and supporting them as, again, uh, folks shifted to a, even more um, uh, e-commerce and, and folks leaning on folks' websites to identify where they are, many of the organizations and businesses that we were, um, that we often support just because we know them don't have, didn't have the capabilities of marketing to a broader audience. So we partnered with some young people at, um, at Garfield High School and taught them how to do web development. And uh, they created, uh, 16 young people created 16 websites uh, for Black-owned businesses in Seattle. And uh, so we're working on, this week in particular, we've been working on uh restart really launching that um, program this summer. So um, I can probably spend the rest of the time talking about other things that we've been working on, but it's, it's, it's just a good time, you know, um, uh, to, to be a part of the urban league and be uh, allowed to uh, do this work and provide the necessary support and resources to, to my community and to those that, that need it most. So it's, it's pretty remarkable. That's very remarkable. And it's, and it's intergenerational. I mean, what you're describing, I mean, you have 
kids, youth involved, get, working on their skills, and, and then also help you know helping those who are working on businesses. I mean, you're kind of connecting all these dots together. It sounds like it's true. It's true, and I think one of the things um, to to push that even further. Um, many of our elders were utilizing, um, you know, renting out their their basement or a, um, additional dwelling unit and things to supplement their income. And uh, unfortunately, uh, as people were um, losing their jobs or, or <clears throat> unable or, you know, having to double down in child care and things like that as um, – as we all went inside last year, many of them were also not collecting that income. So, you know, we've been able to provide, you know, some relief for some of them as well. So you're right. It, it is truly intergenerational and we're trying to do all we can to support as many people that we can uh, through this tough time and, and beyond. Right. That's great. Sure. Tell us about the, the black future co-op fund. I mean, that's something that you, um, help launch with the assistance of of some others. I mean, really, I I, I love the just the the heart of this. Can you share a little bit about that? Gladly, gladly. Yeah. So, um, in uh, twenty twenty, toward you know, middle of twenty twenty, I guess we all kind of woke up and and realized that our our city, state, country had some reckoning to do with race, and while. Um, many of our beautiful young people and young voices were on the street advocating for uh, their voices to be heard and change to happen. You know, I am not old, but I am, am older and realized that I I did not have, uh, have it in me at that moment to meet them on the street, but I did have a voice that I wanted to amplify on their behalf and on all, on all of our behalf. So I could, connected with some of my sisters, uh, Andrew Campaign from Bird Bar Place, Angela Jones from uh, Washington Stem, and Tawana Nobles, who is now Senator Nobles, but um, at that time led the Tacoma Urban League. Um, and we came together and started the Black Teacher Co-op Fund to go to philanthropy and, and say that it, it, it is your job, too to do things differently and how um, we support the black community, how they support the black community and, um, and to put their money where their mouth is. Everybody was talking about equity and investing in the black community. And we said, uh, this is, this is your opportunity to double down and do that. in um, in a different way, changing the, the, having a paradigm shift in how philanthropy was done. And so we challenged them to help us raise $25 million uh, to invest in black community and black led organizations and black businesses across the state. And uh, <laughs> we were expecting a let us think about it or no, or, you know, but they immediately said, we, we have to do this. And the answer was yes. So in the last, um, 10 months, I guess, we've been able to raise uh, right around $12 million. Wow. And uh, Yeah. And um, have done a lot of listening across the state uh, and identified uh, 535 black-led organizations and black-owned businesses across the state and are starting to um, figure out pathways of how to, one, bring 
though all of them together and all of the people they serve, as well as um, infuse and build infuse capital and build relationships and technical assistance and you down the, you go down the list to create generational wealth uh, and and strategic and and change and uplift and empowerment in um, in our community. So. It has certainly been a labor of love. Some great organizations have have joined us in this um, in this quest, including OL Rain and, and the Seahawks and and others. And it's just it's just pretty exciting um, to be a part of this and uh, to elevate the voices of my community in a, in a different way um, than just with the Urban League and, and programmatic work. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty, you know, it's exciting times as well. Well, thank you for that. Just the leadership that you're providing and the example that you are. I noted at the top that you were named one of the 25 most influential people in Seattle. How was how that? Did you get a, like a T-shirt or anything like that? Influential women. So it was uh, 25 influential women and then like, Power 100 across the state, so those two. But um, it's humbling, for sure. I, I don't think that I have done enough to uh, receive such high honor, but I'm certainly grateful uh, for it, and it just you know reinforces for me that I have a lot of work to do before I feel like I'm uh, uh, deserving of, of such honor. Um, but it, it again reinforces that Seattle is home, right? And that I belong here and that I'm supposed to be here to do do this work and, and hopefully continue to do uh, great work um, on behalf of those that I've been called to, to serve and to represent. So humbling for sure. Yeah, well, you you lead in that way. And so we're, we're very grateful for how you lead because that's a, uh, example to to so many of us when we come back after the break michelle i'd love to you know maybe dive in just even go back a ways and talk about just some of your own you know the motivations that you have i mean to how you got to this point and maybe hear the story behind the story of of michelle right like just you're here because of you know the experiences you've had in your life and probably people who influenced you and things like that We've got Michelle Merriweather, the CEO and president of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. I've been hearing just the just the inspiring story of the Urban League and what they're doing here in Seattle and, and how they began uh, back in 1910. Just incredible history, and uh, it's so important to, to know our history. So important. And Michelle, speaking of history, um, I, I love to have our guests just even, you know, Get get personal as as personal as you're as you feel as you feel comfortable, but just to go back in time and you know how you got to be you know you, you're here in Seattle you're leading the Urban League, but of course you had many um, many things on the way, many experiences on your journey that led you to this place, just as that it formed you, and would love to just you know if you could take us a, for a few minutes on that journey of. Uh, how you were formed and what what it was like for you growing up? Would you mind sharing with us? Sure, sure. Uh, it, there's you know 
I don't know that there's anything exciting there. Um, I grew up, as as you said, in, in Southern California, and uh, I had uh, two tremendous parents, and they just, you know, instilled service and hard work and uh, an impeccable work ethic in me. So I think it all came from there. Um, I uh, grew up in um, in Pacoima, which was back then a, a predominantly black neighborhood, but, you know, uh, it was also a part of LAUSD, uh, and my parents uh, did not want me to go to uh, LA Unified School um, at that time, so they um, did all they can and invested all they can into my education, so I was um, lucky enough to attend um, uh, private schools at that time. And um, so I had an interesting world, right? So my my neighbors and my community certainly looked like me, but um, when I went to school, I was in schools and spaces where I was traditionally the only um, black face, uh, which was, was very interesting, but I think, you know, certainly uh, created who I was um, today. And... Um, so, you know, when I had the opportunity to choose where I wanted to go to school for college, I chose a historically black college and university and so took um, uh, took my uh, my educational journey to New Orleans, uh, which was also a great part of my journey and uh, experience. So I always say I went to the finest uh, institution of higher learning, Xavier University, of Louisiana. Nice. Um, I will debate that. (laughs) Uh, There are some great schools out there, but none quite like uh, uh, Xavier University. And um, I'm proud to be a graduate uh, and following my mother's legacy. Again, I had great, great, great parents. um, and have, you know, great, great parents and um, followed in their footsteps as much as possible. So spent some time down South and, um, and loved it, and eventually uh, went back to California and uh, have a, a, a wealth of uh, experience in the corporate environment. But during the corporate environment, you know, the, the nine to five, um, working for someone else, I needed to find something that, you know, connected me to, to community and stumbled upon the Urban League um, back in, I want to say, like 2005. Uh, and got really involved as a volunteer and um, found work that inspired me and and I enjoyed in a community and people that were like me and, you know, wanted to do good work and serve um, our community. And, um, you know, I never in a million years thought that it would become my work, that my passion and and service to, to my community would become my work, but... One of my mentors said, uh, you know, when you identify your passion, you allow it to become your profession, your occupation, he calls it. Um, and so I stole that from him many years ago, and I, I now get to work in my occupation, right? It doesn't necessarily feel like work every day, although it is, and hard work at that. It's also heart work. Hmm. Um, and, um, uh, so, you know, I think... Uh, you know, my parents have always instilled in me hard work and dedication, but also, you know, doing things um, outside of work that are meaningful to you. So I've always been 
uh, engaged in community um, work in some form or fashion um, and, and policy and advocacy in some form or fashion. I remember like in the sixth grade, I was educating people on who was on the ballot running for uh, you know, president and encouraging, you know, folks to, to be engaged in the sixth grade. Like, wow. <laughs> that is awesome. Right. Right. Um, it was so interesting. Like it was the first George Bush and Michael Dukakis. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, I we had was, Dukakis uh, on Exactly. It's so interesting. Like, and I had a mock election back then, uh, encouraging people to vote. Uh, so, you know, I've always been, been in this for as, as long as I can remember, for sure. I love that. Occupation and heart work. That is, uh, those are two, you know, great sayings, you know, about, um, you know, putting your, putting your heart into things. What was it like, Michelle, to go from California to New Orleans? What were some of the, I mean, maybe a little bit of different culture out there in New Orleans, probably, you know, geographical culture, but what were the, was there anything that stood out to you that, that you learned during your time in New Orleans before you came back to California? Sure. Um, You know, I think one thing that stands out for me outside of the food, of course, which is amazing and there's no place better for, for food. Although Seattle has some great food too. New Orleans is just amazing. Um, uh, What stood out for me um, in New Orleans in particular is that when you, when I looked around, I saw everybody or many people that looked like me, they were, um, you know, the mayor was, was uh, Mark Morial, black mayor, the, the folks on city council, the folks that um, own businesses or worked in the restaurants and, um, educated me or, you know, folks in my classroom look like me. So, you know, it was certainly a, a very different environment, um, which was absolutely empowering, right? I, it was the doctors look like me, you know, the dentist, it was just, um, and, you know, David would kill me if I didn't say the pharmacist because they have an impeccable pharmacist. <laughs> um, but it was, it's just, it was inspiring. It was, it, it, reinforce what my parents always taught me, right? I can be anything that I wanted to be, but down there I actually got to see it, hmm. right? Yeah. Um, which certainly, and feel it, and, and and as we always say, you know, when our young people see it, they believe it, and they know that, you know, that there's a pathway for them to be it, um, which, you know, unfortunately many kids that look like me up here don't often get to see, right? Hmm. Um New Orleans was just a beautiful place. I mean, um, you know, back then there was, uh, it was probably like seven, 60, 70% um, African American. Uh, and again, business owners uh, and leaders uh, were right there front and center. I, we didn't have to search for them. They were um, front and center. So it, it definitely showed me that anything anything is possible. And it, it helped me with my voice for sure. Um, because there were, um, people surround around me, my classmates and friends, um, we were there to push each other. So, you know, it was a tremendous experience. Wouldn't trade it in for anything. It was hot. It was hot. <laughs> a humidity. 
those bugs. And probably rained more there than it does here. Oh, my um, goodness. But well, that, it's a different kind of rain, too. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing that. That's great. I love hearing that kind of background and that and that backstory. And speaking of, you know, in going back to what you did in the sixth grade and and with the election, do you have do you have any um, political aspirations at all? Not a drop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I you know, I I I have never had political aspirations. Um, I think that. You know, there's certainly a calling um, for those. You know, I I imagine that most folks that now uh, hold political seats probably didn't either. Um, But um, I haven't received that calling yet. And right now I do not have that. I think it takes a special, special person. And I'm so grateful for those that that step up to lead um, and run for office and hold um, and hold political office. I applaud them. I admire them, <laughs> but uh, do not want to be them. Yeah. I want to support them and, you know, be a place of, of offering my counsel and advice to those that hold office and make sure that, you know, they are, are hearing the voice of, of those that um, often don't get to hold those spaces and have audience with people that hold political office, but Michelle will probably won't, won't be one of those people. Yeah. yeah, and especially in like it feels like today, you know, today's climate, you know, continues to just get more just I don't know, toxic and and it's it's tough. It's a tough environment to be in for sure. Um Have you uh have you gone on the record at all to and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Michelle, but um you know, in regards to the the mayoral race coming up, any thoughts there? No. So I, um, by virtue of the work that I do, um, do not publicly endorse any candidate. But what I will um, advocate for is policy that impacts those that I serve. So I, I do pay attention. Uh, the Urban League will likely have um, some candidate forms that, help inform community on who's running to, to represent and lead Seattle. Um, and I pay attention to certain things, right? Like um, those that are seeking office, what is their stance on, on those that are experiencing homelessness? How will we address um, the racial reckoning, reckoning that our city is facing in particular? Um, how will investments be made um, in, uh, in community um, and changes, of course, it goes without saying, in, in police accountability, right? So um, while I do not uh, publicly and will not publicly endorse any candidate, um, I will be paying attention to uh, to those uh, issues that impact those that I serve and the work that I do. And I know, you know, that there are candidates that, um, lead with those things. I know some of them well, and some of them are great friends. Um, and, uh, ha- and and some of them have the heart and the passion to lead us and will be amazing leaders. Um, but I, I cannot um, uh, publicly endorse anyone. Well, that's kind of nice for you, though, Michelle, that you have that policy in place because, you know, 
as I'm sure you know, you know, having a couple friends running, then and it's like, okay, which which friend do I pick here? You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, I think I think they they will do a great job um, without me in elevating uh, the causes that need to be elevated, and uh, will be will will be. Just spectacular leaders. John Scholes, CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, which you serve on the board of. I think you are you still on the board of the DSA? I am. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, the Compassion Seattle effort. Um just curious any 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 thoughts you have on on that effort? Um yeah, I think um I think it is a, a good effort. It's not perfect certainly. I think um there's uh, work that we all need to do to address um, uh, the challenges of those that are experiencing homelessness and the fact that, you know, we in Seattle are, uh, uh, you know, I'll say allowing it to happen because I don't have another word. <laughs> and I, I can't say that anybody, any elected official is allowing it to happen, but um, intentionally. But I think um, as we start to think forward, we need to identify truly what our values are, right? And it is that every individual deserves a home and to live with dignity and and honor and respect. And um, I think that while, um, you know, the Compassion Seattle and the Charter Amendment are are certainly um, going in that direction, it is, it is, the work that will be done in 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 response to that that will matter most, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, where the rubber meets the road is the the work. Um, you know, how housing, how soon housing can be built, how, where the investments are made um, on down. Um, so, I think it's great, uh, a great start. Uh, I won't say it's great. I think it's a good start. Mm-hmm. I that, you know, we have a, a lot of work to do and uh, those that, um, you know, that do this work every day have been um, waiting uh, for for business and government to meet us um, and do this in a collab and, and those and those with lived experiences because those are the folks that matter most um, to do this in um, a collective and humane way. So... I um, I look forward to seeing where where it goes, right, and that it continues to be informed by, um, especially by those with lived experiences, um, and that we we use their voice and elevate their voice and do what is right to support to support them yeah. at the end of the yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Michelle. It has been just a, a true pleasure to have you on the show today and just thank you so much for just sharing with us and just sharing uh, personal stories and, and just the, the heart of the Urban League and the work that you're doing. And um, if anyone's listening and and they wanted to maybe get involved or volunteer, Michelle, is there, are there opportunities to volunteer with the Urban League? Sure, sure. Um, our website is really easy. It's urbanleague.org um, how there's 90 urban leagues across the country how we got urbanleague.org I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take it um, we're in then, Seattle 
We're exactly. <laughs> um, we are Seattle. And uh, so urbanleague.org has all the information of the work that we're doing, how to plug in and get involved. Um, and I will also say we also have a fantastic, fantastic young uh, group of young leaders, the uh, uh, Seattle Urban League Young Professionals, and that is also on our website. And for those that um, are under 40, you know, 21 to 40, I guess, and we also say we don't card. I still consider myself a young professional. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, involved. Um, I, I certainly encourage you to uh, to check that out as well. Oh, fantastic. Michelle, thank you so much for being with us. The CEO and president of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle with us today. Michelle, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. And um, just grateful for the time. Grateful for you. Thank you for all that you do as well, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.